The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of New York Presbyterian Hospital or Columbia University Irving Medical Center. You're listening to Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Valve Team, a podcast where we discuss the advancements in treatments for patients with structural heart and valve disease. I'm your host, Dr. Isaac George. All right, welcome everybody. We're back again with another episode of Taking It to Heart. I'm Isaac George. I'm here with a great group of uh, team members today, including Sashil Kadali, Dr. Vinnie Bapa, Rebecca Hahn. And today we have a guest lecturer today. It's a special, uh, we've been honored and we have a, a special request and uh, he accepted. It's Russell Brandwine. Russell is the, the brains behind, um, behind our valve center. He's like the, um, the, the little person in the Wizard of Oz who's actually doing everything. And so this is the Oz of the, the Structural Heart Valve Center for Columbia. Can we make our comment? I'm not sure I agree with all of those statements. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you'll have your chance, but, um, but we're, very, we're very lucky to have Russell and, and we're lucky to have him today. We're going to try to talk about clinical trials in the COVID pandemic era. This will be a short session. We're just going to talk about some of the difficulties that we're having with clinical trials. Uh, and these, again, correlate very well with, with a lot of the patient care challenges that we have. I'm going to start out just by saying, look, clinical trials have been in a standstill for us. Uh, we are six weeks in, eight weeks in now to, to COVID. And we're just starting to start to treat really the um, the urgent patients that are you know within two to three days urgency. Uh, prior, we've only been doing emergency cases, so we really haven't been able to take care of these clinical trial patients as of yet. So maybe I'll start with uh, Vinny and Sushil uh, just briefly. How long can we do this before patients that are critically ill or urgently sick with MR and TR get even sicker? And then if they are dependent on a, a specific device because of anatomy, what are we gonna do with them? Are we gonna be able to treat them? What if we're not gonna be able to treat them? What are we telling people? Um, Go ahead, Vinny. Go ahead. I, I'll just give, uh, I think uh, Sushil should speak about the clinical point. I'll just probably just talk about the logistics of it. Uh, I think this is a very important part yesterday, again, talking to one of the companies which wants to start trial and has got a approval and has got patient ready as well. The issue is logistics of uh, supporting the trial. Uh, if the trial's dependent on a new device, which needs to come with uh, not just the equipment, but with the specialists from industry who know how to load and prepare that device. Uh, we are just uh, limited by the, say, domestic air travel at present or international air travel. Uh, the logistics of getting, so to speak, more people in the same room, I think are you know, preventive in terms of conducting these trials. So it's a, it's a, it's a heavy cost to pay uh, for patients who are waiting. But I think we need to get some clarity on uh, maybe some trials which use existing device can go ahead or trials then in second year which will be with minimum logistic support and then maybe the next trials which require 
extensive logical support and then that can only happen after lockdown is lifted. Yeah, I mean, I think the logistics, as Vinny said, are, are one of the challenges. Um, and then the question, and not all clinical trials are the same, obviously. Um, you know, one where it, it's testing a new iteration of a different device that has less value. But, but then you talk about trials like Genovalve or trials for tricuspid regurgitation, uh, where there aren't existing transcatheter therapies. Those are sort of unique. Um, and they provide treatment options for patients uh, that otherwise may not have treatment options. So that standard is different. And so do you look, yeah, how do you restart trials? I mean, I would say, I would argue that those are uh, more important because they provide clinical value for potentially uh, a population that doesn't have treatment options. Um, and then, you know, and obviously, you know, these clinical trials are important. That's what they lead to regulatory approval. And part of the, the clinical trial uh, uh, characteristics that are important are the follow-up. So in an era where we can't see patients for follow-up, you know, say the primary endpoint is one month or three months, and, or we're missing the one-year endpoint for a clinical trial, where uh, that's what's going to lead to regulatory approval, and we're not getting the echoes. Well, how does that impact the outcome of the trials? And I think these companies have to talk to the FDA because many trials that are ongoing, the patients aren't getting follow-up uh, echoes or follow-up, even clinical follow-up. And, and, and these are for important primary endpoints. So how does that modify the trial design? What does it change in terms of potentially regulatory approval for some of these devices as well? And uh, I, you know, I'm, the, these are really challenging concerns. I mean, I think we, we had a, uh, put everything on hold and we had to because of the resources, as Vinny said, the logistics, uh, pay, we don't have the, we can't do clinical cases, but these are patients, there are clinical reasons, for, there are options for patients, but there are also trial management issues that are going to be challenging going forward, not just for now, but this is going to impact a lot of these trials going forward. I think just the follow-up, you know, if you can't get follow-up, you can't do a six-minute walk test, you can't do, I mean, a lot of the trial endpoints uh, are related to so many of these uh, tests that can't, can no longer be done. And then on top of that, obviously, many of our patients are uh, the very high risk population for COVID. And so now you have to actually fold into the design of the trial, um, you know, mortality unrelated to the device and the disease, but related to COVID. So, I mean, That's I think there's point. so many, so many aspects of this that are uh, just dumbfounding. And I just, I, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to, they're going to account for all these variables. Yeah, no, I mean, it could, we've already had transcatheter valve patients who remotely have died um, and they're certainly at a higher risk. So how we account for that for all-cause mortality will be very interesting. And, you know, a lot of people may not even even get associated with COVID. So yeah. we don't even know, right? Yeah. That's the conundrum that we have in New York State, obviously. So Russell, I've been instructed to give you a two-minute time limit. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. So, so tell us, what are we doing in the Valve Center? We have a lot of people that we've been following for clinical trials. Are, how are we following them and how are we managing them? What are we doing with their follow-up? Yeah, <clears throat> thank you for that wonderful introduction, by the way. I truly appreciate it. <clears throat> Pleasure to be with everybody here. Um, so in terms of the patients that are already enrolled in clinical trials for follow-up, uh, most of those patients have already contacted our department. And you know, as can be expected, they're not thrilled about coming in for their routine follow-up testing that needs to be done like was discussed you know if they had a TAVR three years ago as part of a trial 
they have no wish to come in to get a routine echo and routine blood work in, in, in the hot spot of New York City during the current COVID era. So in patients that are otherwise well, they're either going to be rescheduled to a later date or they're going to potentially have the echocardiogram locally and mail us a CD when they feel comfortable going to their local cardiologist. So myself and my research colleagues have been in touch with these patients and from the follow-up visits, those patients are not going to come in. But as you previously discussed, the patients that have no other option, our TR patients, our TMVR patients, we had a couple of patients that were planned for a research procedure that were canceled. We've been in touch with them to confirm they're clinically stable. And those patients are, believe it or not, more eager to come in than, than you would think because that is their only option. So, you know, they want to know when are we going to be able to come in and have this procedure they feel like it needs to be done sooner than later, and they're clinically stable, but they are eager to get things going. And like Vinny mentioned, certainly logistically about these procedures that require international attendees with international equipment will probably be done way down the line, like I've been telling some of these patients. But if we already are using an established device or a device that's made in the country, we can probably go forward with those sooner, and the patients do appreciate that. Was that under two minutes? Did I, did I make it? Perfect. Perfect. I, I guess, Isaac, one question is, you know, there, there are places in the country that are able to restart and that are, that are doing these cases. Uh, there are places in the region, right? The upstate New York is less hard hit than us and, um, and other places are less. And, you know, should patients go elsewhere for, for treatment, right? If these are the only options and, you know, clinical trials ongoing, you know, not, you know, some companies have put their trials on hold, uh, but others have not. Uh, and there's variability. Um, and so, there are options for patients because in different regions, it's different. It's, you know, and, and maybe it's going to be moving and moving across the country. and you know, I mean, Maybe Vinny down. can comment. I think that's a great point. The pace of technology is very important, particularly for small companies and for startups. And, and, and funding is a key aspect to getting technology to market. So let's say you have a small startup that's dependent on getting funding uh, or they have a, a limited amount of funding and they need to get a certain number of patients by a certain time. If they're not able to do that, you know, their company goes under. If, if, we're, um, if you're a small company, how do, you, how do you approach COVID? Are you gonna try to do cases outside the United States? Are you gonna go places where, um, you know, you have you know, more access to patients or a greater leeway? Are you going to do things differently? You know, do you guys see that changing? I think that's going to happen, Vince, uh, whether we like it or not. And it's very interesting because a lot of new technology goes to Australia and New Zealand, for example. And as we know now that both the countries are opening in a very controlled fashion. Uh, so that's one option which will remain open. Uh, but you are absolutely right, Vince. I think if the if the timelines are already set in stone, uh, then the startups will have to move. But the main question currently I really have is um, when does the international travel start? And nobody knows uh, how it's going to you know look like in two months' time. I'm already but at least actually. your so. miles at least carry over though so my miles I, I was very happy that my miles will go into 2021 because this is the highest level of of uh delta miles that i've had in in my lifetime and i was so excited <laughs> to travel this year and then like after the first trip covid came and so i, I have like 
I was concerned that I lost all my miles. But I know it's not a research topic, but I think it does change how much we all travel in the, in the going yeah. forward, right? We got to really think: is there value in this trip? Is it something that's going to that I serve a purpose, or that's going to help me in the future? These are all very different questions. Well, I mean, I, let's talk, let's bring the let's bring the meeting concept up. You know, this is not entirely related. This this topic was meant to be a short topic, but let's quickly talk about meetings now that we have everyone here. All of you guys go to a lot of meetings. I mean, we have literally three billion miles between Vinny, Sushil, and Becky, and Russell travels a, a fair amount too, actually. So um, let's talk about meetings. What do we do with meetings coming up? What do we do with meetings in the future? I, I like virtual meetings, but I also like seeing people um, from the social side of it, from the academic side of it, I haven't lost a single thing, you know. Um, from the social side, it really is nice to see people and have that human aspect. Russell, you run uh, the TCT Nurse Tech uh, along with some colleagues. Have you guys talked? What is your plan? What is your, what is your expectation? Uh, and do, do you think people, do you, you know, let's assume that it's, it's a live meeting. Do you think a you know, what number of attendees do you think will want to come to a live session? Yeah, we, we've had some discussion um, about it's going to be sort of a mixed meeting, we think, where it's going to be some virtual content for people that may not want to travel, but then some in-person in meeting content for people that may want to get together at some venue. I don't know if it'll be in Miami. I think the plans are not solidified yet of exactly where and when it's going to be. Uh, I do feel that from the healthcare provider standpoint that we'll be more willing to travel than than most. I mean, I think if we said there is going to be a meeting at some place for TCT, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think most people on this call would probably fly there and attend, give a lecture or two and fly home as long as, you know, the, the people that are in the meeting or they'll maintain social distancing as best as possible. Um, but it's still a work in progress. I don't know if any final decision has been made. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to probably get tested and have some verification. What you don't want to do is have, you know, TCT or ACC become the next Biogen conference, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is uh, such an important thing is the other thing is we never use the teleconferences uh, very effectively. And now we all are pretty trained in it, I think. Uh, there's a kind of uh, etiquette uh, which we follow during all these Zoom meetings, we try at least. Right. So uh, she was so, not following that etiquette since he's basically <laughs> laying down in his chair. He's not paying attention. <laughs> but he is wearing pants, so yeah. I think that's that's a step <laughs> one. No, you can't see. That. I don't know how you can yeah. be sure of that. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think the, uh, uh, oh, coming ahead. back to it, I think I think a lot of the meetings and the. So, are going to get cut down. This year, I don't see any big academic meeting happening, honestly. Uh, on that note, though, I mean, how much is industry is taking a hard hit? How much are they going to have in their reserves to fund all, all these meetings that we do? One. So I think that's that's one big component. But but I think the meetings that are going to survive are the ones that get a little bit more creative, right? You can't, we can't do the same online sessions that you can't just try and repurpose. You can't take a normal meeting and make it an online meeting. Yeah. People that that are smarter than, than us, um, that are really into teaching and education, there's, there's got to be new technologies. There's got to be more ways to make these online meetings for the general population, for these large online meetings. Like Zoom meeting for you know, 20 people is one thing. 
but you know a TCT or an ACC that's you know more than 10,000 people how do you make that interactive and worthwhile for for the general attendee and there's got to be different ways and I think we've got to think about how to make it engaging interactive how we get people to sort of participate in the meeting uh, and how do people take away what they need to from the meeting? You can't navigate a program of online sessions that are 100 online sessions and say, I'm going to get what I want out of this. Yeah, no, it, it, will, be, it will be interesting. Um, I, I any final thoughts? Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I think, I, I think a lot of people, as much as we want to switch to, to, to virtual content, I think the, obviously the draw of a meeting is also traveling and going to a place you've never been and, and meeting up with people. So I'm very excited if TCT was going to be somewhere I can go and travel and always said, oh wow, I, I hope TCT actually is never in New York because part of what my enjoyment is going to other places and that you won't get with, with the virtual meeting. So I'm hoping there's some mixed And Russ, well, our, our memorable dinners at these meetings, uh, you know, we re relive many years later and I, we won't comment on all of them. That's <laughs> that's correct, but that was that's that true. was also TV. And we're not going to remember Zoom meetings, right? Yeah, we're not going to remember mm -hmm. Zoom meetings. We're going to remember the we remember the dinners we had at these meetings, but not the Zoom meetings themselves. And that's my point exactly. We'll, we'll never get another memorable moment on a on a Zoom on a Zoom meeting. But but what Vinny said earlier, the world is going to understand what can be done virtually and what can't. Like he said, we've Matt, we've mastered Zoom. We've mastered but we're almost going to master telehealth. My kids mastered online learning. So what can be done in person in the future is going to be significantly different than, than previous. It's been great. Um, thank you, Russell, for joining us. And uh, we will you know, see you at the next recording. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.